Okay. Excuse me. I'm just going to put this right here. That's okay. No, you're good. Check, 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 check. Well, good morning, CTK. Hey, everybody. My, my, my long lost friends at CTK, hey, y'all. SCC. Well, good morning. Everyone, my name is Russell McCutcheon. I am the lead pastor of Reconciliation Church, the church you helped give birth to. So would you please stand with me and let's read God's word. Our text this morning comes from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. In your worship, God, if you would, uh, please read with me. Hear the words from the word. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. You may be seated. Again, my name is Russell McCutcheon and I am so excited. I really am excited to be here worshiping with you. Uh, it feels like it's been a while, um, but as we all know, for those of us who have kids, uh, as parents, our door normally swings one way. Like we, we, we give birth and we expect kids to go. And likewise, as a church, it was time for us to go and to do what God has called us here to do uh, and, and to be another, another mouthpiece, another, another uh, a speck of light in this area to proclaim the glories of God. But I want to say how excited and how thankful I am to be with you today, not to just hear myself talk, because there is in me a, a, a holy trembling because the word of God is open and I don't take this lightly. Uh, this is not a motivational speech and this is not uh, an opportunity for me to come up here and pontificate on the vicissitudes of life and to hear how eloquent I can be. No, God's word is opened. And as his word is open, he is speaking to us. And before I get into God's word, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we 
We come before you this morning with empty cups raised to you. And Father, we ask that you fill our cups, fill it to overflowing by the power of your spirit. We are weak and needy, but you are powerful. I thank you, Lord God, that you would use clay pots that are cracked to house all of who you are, but your spirit seals us and the places that are broken, you heal. And I pray that as we, we come to your word this morning, Lord, that you would speak to us deeply. But help us to not simply be hearers of your word, but help us to be doers of your word. I do ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Many of you may recognize the name Mary Baker Eddy. She, she is the founder of, of Christian science. She taught in this, this belief that God, the father or mother of all, this is her teaching, this God is completely good and holy spiritual, perfect, but that also creation is the same way. Creation is flawless, uh, unstained, just as the divine is unstained. And she believed that if, if she saw disease, death, and sin, that this was not a part of the fundamental reality of creation. It's not a part of our reality. And if we are experiencing that, then we are living apart from God. But my friends, we got God's word, and we know God's word does not teach this. Uh, scripture teaches that man is born in sin, inherited from Adam's fall. Uh, the result is that every human born is separated from God. Paul expressed the condition of humanity in a myriad of places, but in Romans 3.23, he wrote, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, it didn't say some. It didn't say a couple. It said, for all have sinned. Somebody say that with me, all. In our text this morning, we will continue in this series, and I love it, called The Basics of the Faith. And here in 1 John, we are reminded of the foundations of Christianity. We will see that God measures our discipleship by our love. Love. And this is not a, 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 a light word. This is not a word that we can culturally steal either, like we love chocolate cake. No, this word is weighty, and, and our love for God is shown in our love for one another. I, I totally believe that the author here had in mind the great commandment. How do you sum up the law? The law is up in loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is how our discipleship is measured. It doesn't matter how educated or theologically sophisticated you and I may be, the truth is we need to get back to the basics. Forgive me for, for, for being like a jazz artist right now. I'm going to get off the script a little bit. But this reminds me of being a former athlete. Uh, a lot of times, I guess when we play so long, 
we come into new spaces trying to show the new coach that we already got this. But a good coach would say, yeah, you may have this. You may be good. You may be an All-American, but guess what? We're going to get back to the basics. We're going to get back to uh, what it means to do this. We, we, we're not going to be up here all sophisticated. No, we want to get back to the foundation. And I think this is John is doing with us in the text. So the question before us is this. Are we growing in love? Is the church, uh, let's make it personal, is CTK, is, is Reconciliation Church, are we growing in love? Jesus would say it this way in John chapter 13, verse 35. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you are in Christ Jesus this morning, the Bible calls you a disciple. And Jesus said, by this, they will know that you belong to me, that you are my disciples if you love one another. What I want to say this morning will hang on this hook. I know many of us have hooks in our houses where we hang pictures. You may even put coats on hooks. What I want to say this morning will hang on this hook, and this, this. Right theology and ethics go hand in hand. Right theology and ethics, how we behave, it goes hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. You want to have correct theology and, 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 and go around and talk about uh, infralapsarianism, right? <laughs> and all of these big theological words, but yet if you fail to live in a way that honors God, it's no good. And if you seek to say, I want to live right, I, I want to do all of the right things, yet don't have the foundation of God's word, that's irrelevant also. They go hand in hand. So I want to flesh out this main point by looking at these three things. The first thing I want us to see is that understanding God results in a changed life. And I'm going to talk about that. And we're going to see that in verse five. It's not just information, but something happens in my life when I truly understand God. So understanding God results in a changed life. Verse five, John expresses that God is light and there is no darkness in him. Secondly, I want us to see that spiritual integrity and the health of the Christian community are connected. Spiritual integrity and the health of the Christian community are connected. Verse 7, for John says we walk in the light. When we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Finally, I want us to see, and we say this often, but let's not hear this statement and say, oh, I got that, but let's sit in it. We are sinners saved by grace. Verses 8 and 9, John tells us that uh, if we, to say we have no sin is to deceive ourselves, but if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. So let's dive into the basics of the faith, point one. Understanding God results in a changed life. Verse 5 says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. Right thinking about God is foundational. Dare I say it's a prerequisite for life in the Christian community. 
You and I, we must have a right understanding of who God is. When we understand who God is, our lives are billboards. As we move around, people are looking at us and our lives have a flashing sign to say this is the transformation that God brings in us. Whether we are single or married, see, it's just not for married folk to display who God is. For my single folk, too, your life, my life, must tell the truth about who God is. John builds all that he says theologically on the revelation that he, sent, he, he received from Jesus. He starts out by saying, the message we have heard from him and declare to you. I love it. John is not coming up with what he thinks. He, he is not just crafting things in his mind. Maybe like the sister who's long gone, Mary Baker Eddy. Uh, he did not consult with the philosophers and the thinkers of his day. He got this from Jesus. He proclaimed a message. And I think we need to understand this. The word of God is a message. It's not speculation or philosophy. It is not speculation or philosophy. In the word of God, there breaks in the lordship of God. John says here that God is light. That God is light. Light is the quality possessed by God. It speaks of the ethical qualities of God. The goodness, holiness, righteousness, truth. And it's so many more. But this is what it means that God is light. It says of Jesus in John 1, 9, he says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And then Jesus says this of himself in John chapter 8, verse 12, where he said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So I must ask us this question. Are you living in God's light or are you living in darkness? Don't presume. Think deeply of that question. Are you walking in God's light or are you living in darkness? You see, John had wrote this. He's addressing a group called cessationists. Who were they? They, they, they were people who had been a part of the community but had withdrawn from the community because of the new beliefs and the ideals that they had that did not align with the truth of God's word. So we must ask ourselves, what do we believe about God in a very pluralistic society? What do we believe about God? I do love the theology uh, that we have as a church. Um, uh, we will call it reform theology. That's okay, but thinking about the depth of who God is and living in light of that, what do we believe about him? Are we willing to obey God's commands, which, based on this letter, is love of the Christian community? Do we have a right view of Jesus? Do you believe that he is 100% God, 100% man, 200%? Or do you believe he's just a good moral teacher? Or someone who said good things? What do you believe about Jesus? My friends, to deny the truth of what is written here is to step out of the light and break fellowship with God's people. 
Our theology must be anchored in what God has said about himself. Or it will be shaped by whatever wind of doctrine comes our way. And I see this in our society now. I see it. Somebody comes up with a new idea, a new thought, they promote it. We splash it all on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We get on YouTube and, and record. And then it gets 100,000 views. That's new teaching. When we have that age-old word of God right here. Oh, get come what may. You can get all the new teachings, but I want this. I hope you do too. Jesus said he is the light of the world. We, we don't walk in the light. Uh, when we don't walk in the light as he is in the light, we live in darkness. This is not what God is. God is not in darkness. He is in the light because he is the light. When we live in the light of who Jesus is, when false teaching comes our way, we reject it. We're able to sniff it out. It's like the person who is able to see a counterfeit dollar bill. The reason they know it's a counterfeit because they have studied. They studied in a meticulous way the real dollar bill. And so when a counterfeit comes, we reject that. When we spend time in his word, and I think uh, that's a word for me and that's a word for all of us. Instead of just saying, I'm going to read a scripture in the morning and go about my day, how do we immerse ourselves in God's word to the degree that when someone says something, we say, ah, oh, that's not biblical. That's not right. See, God's work is to bring light that eliminates darkness. Our lives must reflect that we understand God. But here's the next thing I want us to see in verse 7, that spiritual integrity and the health of the Christian community are connected. Here's what he says in verse 7. He says, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 6 tells us that to say we have fellowship with him but walk in darkness is to lie to ourselves and not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. This word for fellowship in the Greek is the word koinonia. koinonia. This, this word is an expression of full fellowship established by our common faith in Christ. It speaks of a sharing, a, a bond of relationship. Like I'm all in. When you read Paul talk about the right hand of fellowship, this is just not shaking a hand like we shake a hand. No, this is a shaking a hand that says all I am and all you are, we are connected and we're going to walk this thing out. I don't come with reservations in this relationship. I am all in with you as we seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who walk in light are those who have fellowship with one another. And this walking is a lifestyle. This is not a one-time thing where we say, oh, I did that checklist and I'm gone. This is a present tense Greek verb. It is ongoing. It does not have an ending. This is what that fellowship, and I think it's a sad commentary for believers to break fellowship with another believer. Again, here's my jazz coming in. Because what does it say about us that the Holy Spirit is not able, this glue of this, this very God of very God is not able to keep us in relationship and allow us to, even if we have differences, to work those things out. Fellowship with one another. How do we know that people are walking in the light? John tells us. 
He informs us that those who walk in the light have genuine fellowship with one another and their sins are forgiven. There is an intrinsic relationship between our relationship with God and one another. And this is not a New Testament concept. If you go back to Leviticus 19, you know that book that we tend to skip by when we read the scripture? In Leviticus 19, it's, it's beautiful. Because at the beginning, God tells his people, again, keep in mind, love God and love neighbor. God tells his people that they were to be holy as he is holy. Love God. And then after he says that, then he lays out a bunch of instructions of how to live with the community. How do you have fellowship with the community? Uh, landowners, if you have land, don't glean the edges of your field. Leave them for the poor and the resident alien. You're not giving a handout. You're allowing them to work. You know, you don't hate one another. You don't treat people bad. Love of community. Love God. Love neighbor. See, there were people in the community to which John wrote that there were, they, they, they were destroying the community. In place where there should be unity and togetherness, there was division and strife. Have you ever been a part of a group like this? Where you should be unified. Even within the church. But there is division and strife even within God's local bride. We see it today. Among God's people in many places, there is sharp division in this cultural moment. And it can be draining. There's so much division. We, we, over, we are divided over things like CRT, critical race theory. I hope y'all don't be getting in arguments about this stuff. Please don't ask me what it is because I don't study it. But we are divided by things like CRT. We are divided over what do you do socially. If you do one thing, we call that social gospel. That's not the true gospel, but the gospel by its very nature is social. We divide over so many things. We lie to one another. We lie, I mean, it's, well, I'm, I'm not going to put y'all on blast because I know y'all good folk. You know, that there, there's some times, and we're, we're, we're smooth with this too now. We, we're not going to come right out and, and tell a bold-faced lie. We're going to cover that thing up. We're going to put a veneer on it. We're going to make it sound good, knowing in our hearts that we are lying. Either we don't want to be exposed or we want to get out of something, but we bend truth and we tell lies to one another, those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ, in the community, when we are called, one, one of the big, uh, is one, uh, one of my shows I love, one of the top ten, Ten Commandments, y'all, <laughs> is don't lie. But we do it. We do it. We gossip. We even gossip about the people we sit right next to. You smile in your face. That song backstabbers. Sit around and go, oh, praise God. It's good to see you. Man, I can't stand them. Again, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> I'm not talking about you. But whatever it is, understand that God sees this, and I believe that it grieves his heart. It grieves him. Divisions destroy the community. It hinders our ability to do the one another's well. When you read scripture, just notice how many times God calls us to do one another's in a way that honors him. Listen to it. He says, we are called to love one another. 
John is going to do this. This first John just gets with that that love theme. We are also called to forgive one another. We are called to honor one another. We are called to be devoted to one another. We are called to live in harmony with one another. We can't do these things if we are walking in darkness. We can't do it. But for those who walk in the light, there is fellowship. Uh, many of you know that beauty is seen in contrasts. What do I mean? Jewelers know this very well. Um, if you go to a jeweler and you look for a diamond, notice the jeweler does not take the diamond and put it on the glass. Uh-uh. What do they do? They get this black velvet cloth, they set it down, and then put the diamond on top of the cloth so that the, its brilliance can radiate all the brighter. As believers, followers of Christ, we are God's diamonds. We're his diamonds, representatives of his in a dark world. How do we shine? Our job is to shine and to radiate and to show others the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our job. Jesus would say it like this in the Beatitudes, that you are salt and light, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We radiate but we don't radiate to draw people to ourselves. I think a lot of times we want a platform to radiate so we can get people around our agenda. Uh, that's not what we're called to. I don't call you to myself. I want to point you to the Lord Jesus and say, hey, come follow me as I follow Christ. I want to point to him. When disciples, when, when Jesus sent the disciples out by twos, Mark 6, the Bible says that he sent them out with his authority, not their own, his authority over evil spirits. And so when they went out, they were representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. So much so in the book of Acts, uh, uh, the religious leaders would notice like these uneducated and unlearned men. I can tell because I can sniff the aroma. They've been with Jesus. What aroma are we giving off? How are we radiating? As we engage society, as we go out, let's proclaim Jesus Christ and him crucified, pointing to his beauty. And when we come together for corporate worship, uh, there is the fellowship of difference, as Scott McKnight calls it in his book. The fellowship of difference. I love this. Not just difference in skin color, because you can have the same skin color and be totally different from the person sitting next to you. The fellowship of difference. I think this is the beauty of the mosaic that God is creating in his church. And one day we're going to be with him, Revelation tells us, worshiping the king right with another. I'm sure I'm going to be next to a person, a brother or sister singing Swahili to Jesus, and it's going to be beautiful. And I'm going to be singing in English. Somebody's going to be singing in Mandarin. And this is the mosaic that God died, that the Lord Jesus died to create. Can we get a movie trailer glimpse of that right now on earth? The last thing I want us to see is that we are sinners saved by grace. Verses 8 and 9 says this. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. <laughs> do any of you, do I actually believe that we are sinless? 
that we are sinless. Dare I say, we probably have sinned already today. We shouldn't think this, but however, even though we are not sinless, we should sin less. If we grow in our faith, yes, we are sinners, but we should sin less. There is an awareness that as we walk in the light, as we pursue the Lord, we decrease in our love and our desire to sin. Growing in our love for Jesus, yet when we do sin, I'm going to sin. You are. We run to the foot of the cross. And at the foot of the cross, my friends, there is acceptance. See, there were those in the community to which John wrote that questioned the very relevance of sin. Many scholars believe that John addressed this issue of Gnosticism, Gnosticism, which uh, we, we still have that idea in our society today. But what is Gnosticism? What is its belief? Gnostics believe that all matter was evil and corrupt, and they believe that you had to acquire a special knowledge to have salvation. You know, you do have these secret society groups that, you know, the only way you get in, you got to have this secret knowledge and secret handshake that you come into this group, then now you're a part of it. But those outside don't have that knowledge. This is Gnostic belief. Gnostics also believe that all matter was corrupt and evil. Therefore, since all matter is corrupt and evil, our physical bodies, it doesn't matter what you do with your body because it doesn't matter anyway. Just do what you want. It's all about the spirit. John and other writers of scripture would hear this, read this and say, no, absolutely not. No one can deny the reality of sin. Again, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, doc, we do pay bills, right? And we know bills come monthly, regularly. And sometimes we'd be like, man, how did this bill get this much? And, but it doesn't matter how much it is. The bill comes, it must be paid. The bill for sin is death. That's what the text says. In this body, therefore, a person who says that they have no sin John says the truth is not in him because we all sin and there is only one recourse for sin. And John says this confession. If we confess our sins here, John has given us an exhortation, a warning, and even dare I say it, a command because we are all sinners. And because we are sinners, our reflex should be one of, 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 of confession. We should be major repenters daily. Uh, just going to the Lord, recognizing that we have sinned and we confess that sin to the Lord Jesus. It would be foolish for us not to confess sin because God don't have his eyes closed. He is not in a room with the door closed like we may do at home, yelling out the door to our kids. What are you doing? Because we can't see him. God sees and knows all. Nothing is hidden from him. The psalmist would say it beautifully in the 139th Psalm where he says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. Then he says, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. 
if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. Because of who God is, merciful and compassionate, we can go to him in confession. And the promise that we have in the text is that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous or just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To forgive means to let go. To let go. Our sins are removed from God's accounting. To cleanse and purify suggests the removal of the residual effects of sin. God's faithfulness, his faithfulness to us prompts him to make a way for our purification and to satisfy the demands of his righteousness. My friends, if there is no sin, there is no need for a savior. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you dealt with our sin. You were the only one who could deal with our sin. So we don't come to you saying we have no sin. We acknowledge that we do have sin, but we also acknowledge that you are a good savior. We place our trust in you. And right now, Lord, we are going to partake of a meal that you gave us, remembering what you have done for us on the cross. We love you in Christ's name. Amen.